Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 58 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about The Incredibles on your No Capes podcast. I'm Mandy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. And today, I'm so excited that we are joined by our friend Rachel, who is one of the hosts of the Wonking Out podcast and the Detective, the Doctor, and the Woman podcast. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for Hi. having me. I'm mm-hmm. very excited to be here discussing this movie with you. I'm a longtime fan of Pop Culturally Deprived. I have been listening since the first episode. Um, actually, a lot of the movies and shows that Mandy hasn't seen I came to later, so I I have seen them, but I didn't watch them, you know, at the time that they were getting popular. So I'm really enjoying hearing her take on all this stuff, even a few things that I haven't seen. Oh, I'm so glad. Thank you. Can I ask uh, about The Incredibles? When, when we asked you to come on, you gave us a couple of things you might want to talk about, but this was very high up the list. Did you see this uh, at the theater? Did you own it? What's your history with The Incredibles? I don't think I saw it in the theater. There's a slight possibility that I did, but I don't think that I did. Um, For some reason, it's a big popular movie with my family. So Mm. if we didn't see it in the theater, we must have, somebody must have picked it up soon after and we watched it, um, I'd say most of our family. And it's one that we've returned to. It's actually one of only a handful that my parents own on DVD. Uh, which is probably why I thought I owned it on DVD. I don't, but um, okay. <laughs> it, my like especially my mom doesn't watch a lot of movies, but it's one that she has seen several times and can actually quote. Hmm. So I don't know. So it's kind of a a special family movie with my family, which um, I have quite a few siblings. Several, uh, a couple of them are quite a bit younger, but I think everyone in our family has seen this movie several times, and so it's. Just one of those movies. Oh, cool. It's nice to have that extra layer of nostalgia, not just the thing itself, but the, the circumstances of seeing it and seeing it with people. Yes, yeah. Lovely. Um, Mandy, this film is not an old film. It's a genre you kind of like, and it's quite famous as well. So your usual excuses don't work here, I think. How come you've never seen this? <laughs> Um, I think, so when this one came out, uh, it was in 2004, I was a senior in college, or I had just graduated college, depending on which half of 2004 it was, and I hadn't yet fully embraced my geekness, and and so I didn't know that I liked superheroes at the time, and so um, I, I wasn't fully enamored with Pixar yet, and so this movie just was kind of eh for me. And and then okay. as um, you know, as time passed, and obviously I'm like super into superheroes now. I I don't know why I never went back and watched it. And then of course, starting last year, I knew I couldn't watch it until we were ready to do it on the show. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I think there are several movies coming up where that's going to be my excuse. Is well, the last year I knew I couldn't watch it because we were going to do it for the show. Um, okay. But yeah, it just it, it came out during that time, like right before I knew that superheroes were a thing I really enjoyed. Hmm. Yeah. When, when we talked about uh, the Dark Knight, I think maybe Dark Knight. Yeah, I, I I mentioned how there was this sort of peak of um, superhero films just after this, and this is one of the few that was successful that wasn't an established superhero or anything before that. So 
it, it does stand apart slightly, mm-hmm. which I think we'll talk about. But yeah, it's not a a mainstream previously existing comic. It doesn't come with a, an inbuilt audience. But it does have a, a significantly sized audience now, which I think is pretty great. Mm. I don't think I ever really thought of this movie as a superhero movie. I guess maybe I always kind of put it more in the animated Pixar genre. I mean, it is a superhero okay. movie. But if you were saying, you know, Rachel, can you talk, you know, tell me all the superhero movies that came out in like the 2000s, I probably would not include this one. <laughs> but okay. I just okay. don't think of it that way. That's fair. <laughs> um, but of history, before we get into the discussion, The Incredibles is a 2004 animated superhero film from Pixar Animation Studios, and it was released by Walt Disney Pictures. It was written and directed by Brad Bird, who also played Edna. Starring Craig T. Nielsen and Holly Hunter as Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl, the film earned $633 million at the box office against a budget of just $92 million. Wow. It was the fifth highest earning movie of the year, putting it ahead of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Wait, wow. seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. Like, that's the third third in the franchise, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So already had an audience, already had films behind it, but this outperformed it. That's incredible. Pretty good. Um, The Incredibles was heralded critically as well as commercially. Many critics praised it for accomplishing a more mature story within a genre and medium that do not offer deliver, both superhero and animated films. The film won the Best Animated Feature and Best Sound Editing at the Academy Awards, whilst also not being nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Best Sound Mixing. It was the sixth feature film produced by Pixar and was the first to heavily feature humans. This was a much more complicated challenge than they dealt with before, and the director, Brad Bird, had refused to compromise because of the technology. There was an interesting story where, in Monsters, Inc., before this, they changed the hairstyle Boo was going to have because the, the bunches were much easier to animate. But he refused to do that with Violet. Okay. So that's why Violet's hair was one of the last things they did for the film, apparently. As well as this, the film was longer, it featured more locations, and had special effects they hadn't previously that they had previously avoided, like smoke, steam, and explosions. Later this year, The Incredibles 2, the long-awaited sequel, will be released. Very cool. I'm really excited about the sequel. I am excited about the sequel now, too, so... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I was like, cool, they've been talking about it for years. Like, I feel mm. like several years ago, there was, oh, they're doing Incredibles 2. It's like, well, it's an animated movie, how long can it take? Well, a few a few years. <laughs> a long damn time. Apparently. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, if you haven't seen The Incredibles, uh, it is what I call a superhero movie. And it's it's basically about a world where superheroes have essentially been banished, and Mr. Incredible has grown bored of his quote-unquote normal life. When he begins to moonlight as a superhero again, he runs into trouble and must be rescued by his family. Or we can use IMDb's description. A family of undercover superheroes, while trying to live the quiet suburban life, are forced into action to save the world. That description just doesn't quite really cover the movie for me, but... Eh. No, yeah. It's it's <laughs> yeah. not quite on point, is it? No, not really. So, uh, Rachel, you said you thought you owned the DVD, but you didn't have it. So how did you end up watching this movie? Uh, I rented it on Amazon. I almost bought it on Amazon... But I decided to wait. Okay. But, so I rented it. 
Yeah, I, I also rented it on Amazon. It's not available on any of the subscription streaming services, which was surprising to me because I thought most of the Disney movies were on Netflix. A lot of them are, except that contract is ending and they're pulling all their stuff. Oh, so it might have been streaming at one point, but they didn't renew the contract because they're going to try to launch their own. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Disney have got their own one now. So okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Matthew? How did you watch it? Um, it's on Sky Cinema over here. They they are currently doing. I've talked previously how they do special edition channels every so often. Um, they now have two special edition channels this month. They are doing Sky Cinema Heroes and Sky Cinema Villains. Oh, nice. This was this was on the Heroes one. <laughs> I mean, there's not too much difference between the films on either, but I think it's like okay, so Dark Knight is more about the villains, so it goes on the Villains channel. Oh. <laughs> Batman Begins goes on the Heroes channel. Okay. Huh. I mean, no, no one watches live TV anyway, so. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fancy. Separate. You know, <laughs> yeah. Special special channels. You have all the fancy stuff over there. Yeah, you get to watch well, a lot of stuff on Sky Cinema. And, like, I kind of wish we had Sky Cinema here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the good. I mean, it's like stuff that we can get. But, you have, you know, if you have stars and if you have HBO and if you have prime and netflix and hulu right but then you know we still couldn't get this <laughs> so yeah the um the, the market's not segmented the way that your like cable market is Ugh. so yeah it's basically sky and even if you go for uh, one of the other companies like virgin media you still get sky cinema on them you just don't quite have the selection of channels hmm. maybe we should just all move to the uk just for the tv <laughs> i'm thinking so. i mean i do i do pay a ton for it but like i've just gone all in with sky so i've got the sky broadband the sky phone the sky thing so it's all like one big bundle right uh, easy okay. they got yeah. you and and the rugby season's about to start again so i'm about to add on sky sports too. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the season stops in october so i just stop that bit of the subscription like okay i can save like 10 pounds a month it's worth it <laughs> um mandy did you have any expectations for this? Well, I did because I I thought I knew what this movie was about. I thought that this was mm. a movie about a superhero family doing superhero things. That's not what this movie okay. is about. No. Like the last 20 minutes of this movie is about that, but the rest of it is not. Um and mm. so I didn't get what I expected. That that doesn't mean it was bad. It was just different. Does that make sense? It does indeed. Okay. Yeah. I get that. Um, I mentioned the uh, director and writer Brad Bird, and that it's also got Craig T. Nielsen, Holly Hunter, and the villain syndrome is Jason Lee. Have you got any experience of them in cinema before? I do find it interesting that you didn't include Samuel L. Jackson in that list. I mean, I know Frozone wasn't a huge character, (laughs) but he's a huge actor. Yeah. That's that's stunt casting, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um. I had never even heard the name Brad Bird before this, um, okay. but I have seen Ratatouille, which he apparently wrote and directed. Uh, Craig T. Nelson, I have always known who he is because he was Coach on Coach, mm-hmm. uh, and he was also Zeke Braverman on Parenthood, which is a television show I absolutely adored. And then he's been in some really great movies. The Family Stone is one of my all-time favorite movies, yes. and he is the father of the, of that family. Uh, he was also the father, Ryan Reynolds' father, in The Proposal. And he was apparently also yeah. in Troop Beverly Hills. So he's he's been kind of around a lot. 
And, okay. and he's mm-hmm. just one of those people that he's always coached to me, even though I see him in all these other things. Right. Holly Hunter is the one that surprised me the most because when I looked at her filmography, there were only two things that I've actually seen her in. But I know who she is. I've always known who she is. And I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense to me. So she was in a serial killer movie like way back when called Copycat, which is a really, really good movie that I forgot existed until I saw it in her filmography. And then she was the senator in Batman vs. Superman. And that's kind of all I've ever seen her in. So I have no idea why really? she's so familiar to me. I mean, I know she mm. did that television show on like TNT called Saving Grace, but I never watched it. I just always saw the promos for it. That was a good show. I really liked that show. I, well, I always wanted to watch it, but uh, yeah, it's hard when you don't have cable. So <laughs> She was in that, um, is it Raising Arizona? Was that what with um She was in Raising yeah. Arizona, yes. but I have not yeah. seen it. That's I really enjoyed that movie. I watched that, it. A that one's years got ago. that one's got Nicolas Cage in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't it's, seen it, so it's young okay. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> if that means anything. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Okay. Um and then Jason Lee, uh, he's been in all of the Kevin Smith movies. And I have seen several mm. of the Kevin Smith movies, surprisingly enough. Uh, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma. I kind of quit after <clears throat> that. I don't remember him being in Clerks, but I could be wrong. Um, and then he was no, on... I don't think he is. He was on the sitcom My Name is Earl, which I never mm-hmm. actually watched, but I was always super familiar with it because, I mean, it came on regular primetime TV. I was in high school. It was making fun of rednecks. My family is a family of rednecks, so <laughs> I just kind of <laughs> was aware. Um, so he's always been interesting to me, um, even if he did kind of go a little bit crazy at some point, but that's okay. Yeah. Okay. He's one of those guys that, like, I don't recognize the name, but then I see him. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's he was in all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so he, I know he he's done the new Chipmunk movies, which I have not seen. Oh, yeah. Um, so they, I, I may watch them one day. Yeah, I can't think I've got anything else to add for his. Um, Holly Hunter, she we've got at least one more film of hers on the list. Have you seen um, A Life Less Ordinary? No, I okay. uh, I clicked on it when I was looking at her filmography because I was like, that sounds familiar, and then I didn't read anything about it. I just looked at the the movie poster and. Mm-hmm. It's like I've never seen this before, so I just assume I really probably really haven't seen it. It was Cameron Diaz and Ewan McGregor. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't think I've seen that. I would put it on the list. It's really good. Yeah, that is a solid film. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, I think I'm going to be watching that later in the year for uh, the movie mentions podcast. So okay. we we might try and tie them together. Yeah. She also last year she was in The Big Sick. Which is one of the Oscar-nominated movies? Yes, I haven't seen it yet. Okay, okay. Ooh, possibly one for SF Pop, because obviously it's got a whole Carolina thing going on with it. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know okay. that, so okay. I didn't know that either. The writer, Emily Gordon, who wrote it, is from North Carolina. She's from, like, down the road from you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Cool. Hmm. Um. So Brad Bird, interesting. He did The Iron Giant. He was writer and director of The Iron Giant. I haven't seen The Iron Giant. Okay, <laughs> that's another one for the list. Um, and he did the fourth Mission Impossible film. I said, literally the only movie that I had seen 
out of his filmography was Ratatouille. Literally. Okay. So I haven't seen I don't think I saw any of the Mission Impossibles after three. Okay. Oh, he did the one <laughs> after that, which which is where they start getting better again. Uh, he lasted longer than me. I think I saw the second one. I don't actually remember, but people tell me that I did, so I'm like, okay, sure. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's the bad one. <laughs> okay. Um, and Pixar films in general, this, as I say, this is the sixth one. Have you seen all of them now? Have you seen some of them? I have not seen all of them. I have not seen Toy Story 2 or 3. Um, I have seen Wally, the first Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Cars 1, I have not seen 2 or 3, Ratatouille, Up, and Brave. So, okay. I mean, that's a, that's a fair showing of Pixar movies that I've seen. It is. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I think the only one I've missed so far is Monsters University, which I don't really want to see. Yeah, I haven't seen that one either. I'm I'm good Apparently not seeing bad. it. Toy Story I, 2 yeah. is really good, though. Mm. See, I think I, I started watching Toy Story 2, and I just wasn't into it, and so I never finished it. But then Toy Story 3 came out, and everybody talked about how amazing it was, and I really wanted to see it. But if you guys have listened to the show at all, you know I can't watch Toy Story 3 without watching Toy Story right. 2. <laughs> so I just haven't seen any of it yet. <laughs> okay. Toy Story 2 has got Joan Cusack in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That might be enough just to get me to set through it. <laughs> all right. Should, it should be. Okay. We are here to talk about The Incredibles. Um, I'll stop trying to talk about other films. Mandy, <laughs> did you enjoy The Incredibles? I did. That's all I got. Okay. I did. <laughs> That's... It's not super <laughs> effusive. <laughs> I have thoughts that we'll talk about. Go on. Okay. No, what's we'll, we'll do, do you have a, a main thought? Well, I think probably the primary thought is just when you go into a movie expecting one thing and you get something different, it does affect how much you enjoy it. But okay. I did actually enjoy mm-hmm. it. Um, and I tried to separate what it was from what I thought it was. I, I got hung up a little bit on this movie is actually really, really dark mm-hmm. um, for a Pixar movie. And and then I say that and then I think about things like Up and the whole first 90 seconds of Up, like you're blubbering like a baby because it's about a woman who dies, <laughs> you know, but but then the rest of it is happy and fun and, and nice. And this one was just kind of super dark all the way through um, opening a Pixar movie with machine gun fire was completely unexpected um and then then you have things like mr incredible going through syndrome's database and realizing he's murdered all of the superheroes like that's just really dark when you've got like six and seven year olds watching this although i imagine they probably don't care they're just like yeah death superheroes but I was just having a little bit of a hard time with it. Hail Satan. Because <laughs> kids, am I right? Exactly. Kids with their iPods in <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, the darkness of it kind of threw me out a few times. And, and that's really where my complicated feelings get. Um, but, but it had a lot of really good stuff in it. Like, the family stuff was really nice. And it was pretty – I mean, it was realistic, you know? And uh, – it made me happy and it gave me warm fuzzies, but then it made me sad sometimes. So, I mean, it's just a little bit complicated, I think. It, it's interesting coming off us saying at the beginning about how much this is a superhero movie or an animated movie. Because I know I said I was going to stop comparing this to other films and talk about <laughs> other movies, but I was lying. Um, 
This is basically a James Bond film. Stylistically, the way the movie goes through its set pieces and its sequences, with the exception of that last 20 minutes, like once, mm-hmm. you know, they get off the island and go and, and take on the robot, up to that point, it is a James Bond film. You are absolutely right. I didn't even think about that, yeah, but you are absolutely right. Everything down to, I mean, from the very, the first time we see him, he's wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that's a totally different way to look at it because i guess like when when mandy was saying it's really dark my first thought was well to me it's kind of classic distinction between especially i'd say the first this was what the sixth pixar movie yeah. this is like i say in the first 10 especially there was this big you know pixar does these things and disney does these other things and disney does the feel good you know, animation for kids and Pixar does animation that's got more depth and more layers and there's more going on in the story. But then when you add the James Bond elements, that's like a whole nother. <laughs> but it's it's true. I totally agree. And it's, it's really interesting because I don't think any other superhero film has done it in that way. And I wonder if it's because this film does it so well, you just end up looking like you're aping on The Incredibles. Hmm. Like, could, could Marvel do it in this way? Well, no, we'd end up comparing it. But even down to the fact we, we get all the pieces of the plan, but we don't know how they fit together until he's taken prisoner and gets the plan explained to him. It's got all the, the core tropes going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was an interesting piece that I read that apparently the um, Fantastic Four movie that came out the year after this had to have significant rewrites because of how similar it was to The Incredibles. Oh, that's interesting. Which the the Incredibles family is effectively the Fantastic Four, just with a new name. Um, right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I think there was a, a the the thing about comparing this to a Watchmen. Yes. Yeah, but I think Brad Bird hadn't read anything. But yeah, there is a lot of this that is is taking that same idea of what if superheroes actually existed, and then what if there were problems with them. Mm-hmm. And I think I mean I've read the Watchmen graphic mm. novel, but I think I read it after the movie came out. Okay. And I can't remember when the movie came out, but I think I saw it in theaters. Uh, I feel like 2010. Yeah, it was, it was definitely later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was later, and then and I, I mean, I don't remember watching Watchmen and going, "Oh, this is like The Incredibles." But I, this watch through, I some of that just kind of jumped out at me. I was like, "Oh, this is really," you know, which is not, you know, it's an idea that's come up in different uh, superhero comics and movies, but jumped out at me this well, time. here's a question for you guys and i i think this has come up on the show before but i have not seen watchmen is it worth putting on the list or at least worth me watching <laughs> okay your silence and- speaks volumes <laughs> got it okay i i want to say yes but i don't want anyone to write like at me for liking a Zack snyder film <laughs> can i be honest the only well, reason i really want to see it is because jeffrey dean morgan is in it okay <laughs> that might be reason enough for me to actually watch it. Yeah. I mean, I would I would say watch it because I think I mean, and you know, my perspective, I read the graphic novel after the movie. Yes, it's a Zack Snyder film, but you know, at the okay. time, I'm well, knowing that it's a Zack Snyder film yeah. kind of makes me back off a little bit because I've discovered that his movies don't really make sense. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, there's there's some issues. I I enjoyed it like just kind of as its okay. own thing. All right. 
and and then you know i thought the graphic novel was was pretty decent you know i'm not a, a i'm not a big consumer of comic book superheroes right. but so you know i don't have like all that I, i'm not going to call it baggage but i don't have all that history with you know superheroes and the comic book superheroes that i know a lot of people mm. do would not in a bad way <laughs> oh nerds am i right <laughs> like you know not, oh my gosh you guys <laughs> i i prefer yeah my comic books you know their own thing <laughs> but it's it, I, I think it's a really good adaptation of something that is almost impossible to adapt because the the comic is not as traditionally accessible just lots of panels and lots of right. stuff that goes through there is heavily yeah. actual written sections and then there's you have to pay attention to the way they're mirroring the pages sometimes and it's it's got a lot more going on with it it's very hard to turn that into a uh, a movie a cinematic event but he does it very very well and it is a very good story that does a lot of very interesting things so yes i'd recommend it I like that my superhero education is expanding as a result of this podcast beyond the MCU. I mean, because really the MCU is is my whole experience of superheroes. And so, you know, watching the Christopher Nolan Batmans and watching some of the Zack Snyder films that we've done recently, um, which were actually for your other show, Across the Arrowverse, um, and now doing The Incredibles – it's nice to kind of see the differences between all of these different adaptations, but also the similarities. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's, yeah. it's just, it's fun. It's fun. So I am enjoying this experience of learning more about superheroes. Okay. Cause it, it should be enjoyable. I mean, I mean, that's my perspective. You know, if you're, if it's not fun, right. then just don't like, it's okay to say that's not my thing. And I really didn't enjoy it. But if you're, enjoy, you know, just enjoy it for, for, for itself, I guess, is the yeah. way that I look at it. So the, the Incredibles, like I say, it works really well as a James Bond film featuring superheroes. But it does do a lot of very good superhero work. It, it avoids us having to do origin stories, which is good because uh, even in 2004, that was a very, very standard way of telling a superhero <laughs> story. Uh, th- there was some interesting stuff as you went through in your notes, Mandy, talking about you, you weren't sure what their powers were or who was, I don't know how to say, but who was doing what, what the connections between everyone was. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost ends up not mattering, which I think is one of its strengths. But did that throw you out of the film when you got to the superhero stuff? No, I think um, it was just early on in the film. And because they didn't do an origin story, they just kind of dropped you in the middle of these people's lives. Mm. At the beginning, I was questioning it. But they they showed us. You know, they told us. I figured out what Mr. Incredible could do relatively quickly without them having to explicitly say he has super strength and he's basically invulnerable. And, and, and so I think they did a really good job of introducing these characters and their powers to us without doing an origin story, which is pretty fantastic hmm. um i also really 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 liked how um i legitimately thought at the beginning that elastigirl and mr incredible were fighting each other over who was going to get to be the hero and then it turns out they're getting married <laughs> <laughs> i super cracked up at that it was fantastic yeah it's it it's a bit of a slow burn that the whole prologue because i think it's 10 15 minutes worth mm-hmm. but like you say, introducing you to, okay, these are his powers and here's the thing. 
But there's also a lot of plotting going in there. Both the, the, the large-scale stuff about Buddy, but also just her talking to him about doing them being a family together and working together and so on. Right. It's, it's already setting up some of the major themes they're going to be working on. But one of the things I love about this film is, is the way it does that plotting of giving you a piece early on that they're then going to deliver on much later. I mean, it's not much later that he saves the guy jumping off the building and then that person sues him and that then starts the downfall of the superheroes. But it's nice plotting because it's, it's just a throwaway moment almost. And he even says, you know, I'm sure you'll get over it uh, when the guy says yeah. he's hurt. And you then get the whole story with Buddy and Bon Voyage. But that's actually the most important thing we're seeing. It's it's nicely downplayed, but you're still taking it in without it being heavy exposition. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just want to point out what he actually said because it, it stuck out to me enough that I wrote it down because I loved it. When the guy who's going to commit suicide, when he saved him and then he starts complaining, Mr. Incredible says, with counseling, I think you'll come to forgive me. <laughs> Yeah, because he said, I, th- I think you broke and, um, something. Yeah, it just, it cracked me up. And I thought, wow, one, that's a really deep line for a Pixar movie that's marketed at kids. And two, it's just funny, too. <laughs> I liked it. I think there were a lot of lines like that in this movie that, that stick out to me. So I, I think the writing was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the 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 dialogue... The dialogue and the writing, I think, is one thing. Every time I watch it, like something, you know, jumps out at me, and I'm like, "This was you know, 2004. What a lot of people consider you know, a quote unquote kids mm. movie, and there was, you know, the and the writing and the dialogue and the delivery is just it's so yeah. well done, which is probably one of the reasons that this movie has such, you know, it's so popular. Like so many, everybody has seen this movie people enjoy it like most people that have i don't know anyone who's seen the incredibles that is like yeah i totally hated that movie and i would never watch it again even if it's not their you know most favorite movie in the world i think most people have a positive experience because i think some of some of those little things like the dialogue and the writing that just kind of make it a an altogether solid movie yeah and with the exception of the uh, the, the the pure superhero stuff, particularly you know all the all the syndrome buddy stuff, it's it's very honest writing. It's it's her dealing with her kids and giving them support or telling them no, this is why we're not doing, uh, why we're not letting you compete because you're a bit of a show off. And then when we finally see it, when we finally get to that moment at the end, and he's allowed to complete compete, yeah, he's a bit of a show off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's her. her Work with the family is all. It's it's very true and very realistic. You can you can feel it. It doesn't get bogged down into uh, either doing the superhero conventions or coming up with gobbledygook jargon. I don't think anyone uses the phrase speedster in this. He he just runs fast. No. That's all yes. we need to say. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. And then the, the the plotting as it goes on. It just does so much clever work with Edna's whole thing about the capes. And then that's what ends up happening to Buddy. That's the final thing that gets him. And it's like, yes, we can see her point. Um, when Jack-Jack has the, the young babysitter and, and she says, I will, I will phone a service. I'll get someone in. I will, you know, I'm not comfortable with this, but it, I'll pay you for your time. And then the thing of he turns up pretending to be that service. And that's how he gets into Jack-Jack. I, I, I love the way the film sets up things and everything comes together. There's not a moment that's wasted. There's no B plot that doesn't actually impact the other plots around it. Right. 
There's no, you know, quirky sidekick who is around for laughs and doesn't really do anything. Well, you can almost argue that Frozen fits that. Yeah. Yeah, you see, I was thinking of it from the villain's perspective, but yeah, the he has no arc, particularly. I mean, that doesn't mean he's not fantastic and, and he doesn't have one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. But he didn't really <laughs> do anything other than, you know, be somebody for yeah. Bob. Bob, is that his name? Is that Mr. Mm-hmm. Incredible's name? Um, for Bob yeah, to talk to. Bob. So, yeah. Yeah, is the reason to have him in there so there is a link both with the old superhero world and to, to do that link where Mirage is actually chasing Frozone but sees Mr. Incredible. Yeah, I think so. And it's it's just so well done. Mm-hmm. That he he is this kind of side character, but he is fleshed out enough. I think that I mean, and I've seen um, they're probably Tumblr posts, you know, with that that scene of Frozone, you know, at home, and everyone's always just like, "What? You know, we need a Frozone movie. I want to know more about this guy yeah. and his family and his wife and all this stuff." Even though like his actual on screen time is very very low. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about that until Matthew was just talking about how everything fits together. And I was thinking about it and I was like, well, I guess there is this one character, but you don't feel that while you're watching it, Um, which I think is a mark of a really well-written screenplay. Hmm. I mean, because he did serve a purpose. It was just a very small purpose. Yeah, because what we normally see in... Uh, some of the older superhero films, to be, to be honest, but usually the villain has a sidekick who is bumbling or quippy or something, who serves no real purpose but adds yeah. a bit of levity. So there's there's no one like that. But you are absolutely right from the hero's perspective. Yeah, there is someone. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. So you mentioning his name there uh, reminded me that of course he's called Bob Parr, and Parr is the average score for something. Yes. <laughs> so it. it <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely fits in with this whole thing of of him hating the mediocrity, and all the way through, it's about being exceptional if you're exceptional, and Buddy wanting to be more than he actually is. Mm-hmm. But Bob doesn't want to share, doesn't want to work with someone like that. So that's what creates the whole thing at the end. But I love the constant raging against. It's terrible being mediocre. You have to strive, and you have to be as good as you can be. And and he hates the fact he's literally in a grey office working in a grey suit with grey people around him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's a question. Do you think, and maybe I was just misinterpreting or I wasn't paying enough attention since it was just my first watch through. Do you really think that he didn't want to work with Buddy because he wanted to work alone? That he wanted to keep all of the spotlight and heroship heroness whatever that word is to himself or was it because he knew buddy didn't have abilities and he was trying to keep him safe because i thought it was more of the latter but it sounds like you're saying the first bit i think i think there's definitely some of the latter i guess i've always seen it more as he wants to keep him safe he also just doesn't think it's a good idea for someone who doesn't have powers to be jumping in and then i mean i think there's as part of the response part of the safety thing he doesn't want i think he doesn't want the responsibility i think he doesn't want to have to worry about somebody else like i guess i saw it less as like a spotlight sharing and more of a i don't want to have to worry about anything else right okay which i guess yes that's selfish 
but also just kind of, this is the way I do things and that's what I'm used to and I don't want to change it. But it's not necessarily, I'm the hero and I have to be the hero by myself. I haven't okay. really ever read it that way. Okay. I I've, I don't think I've ever applied this much thought to it. Um, <laughs> but it, it ties into the whole thing of he doesn't feel his identity as the father, the part of the family unit is the fit for him. He is Mr. Incredible. He stands alone and does his own thing. So he doesn't he he doesn't want to sh- share that might not be the right way of saying it, but he doesn't want to work with someone else because he is on his own doing his thing. Okay. And, and saying he wants to be in the spotlight, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not sure that's the way he's thinking of it in a fame perspective, but his identity is all about I am this person, this idol, and I don't want to be part of a team. Yeah. And it's it's learning that the the certainly the big not twist at, at the end but the the denouement of it of him learning to be part of the team and that other people can support him because he's not strong enough without them right which actually um and i, I promise not to make a huge tangent out of this but that specifically like that's the thing um that started to bother me about the arrow television show mm-hmm. because we we had what i felt was a pretty natural progression of oliver queen you know learning to work with the team mm-hmm. you know he's, he's like i work alone and i you know pr- to protect people i don't want anyone else dragged into my you know into my crap but then he acquiesces to having a team and he starts to work with people and that was good and then i started to have issues when like one season they were like just kidding he is now you know reverted and doesn't want his stuff to bounce back on other people and starts doing stuff by himself and doesn't want to work with the team and has to work alone. And they did that a couple times in Arrow and I just kind of went, this is just, it was very tiring for me personally. <laughs> but um, I think the whole, like, I work alone and not a team, I think it's a good story as long as there's natural progression. As it's like in this movie, at the end, he realizes that he is better in the team working with the family and that's a strength not a weakness so it's well done in this instance yeah and particularly here because everyone's strengths support each other very well and strengths both in their their superpowers but the ability to work together the the final piece of her not firing the the final shot until the last moment because she wants to get it right but there's no point where he explains to her exactly what's happening she sees what he's setting up. Right. She gets it. She then lines up the shot. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So they work together very well. And yeah, Arrow wants to do that story again and again and again. To to the extent this season, it's just gone a bit silly with the, the whole team disintegrating. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I haven't watched any of this season because I had to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> I just I've been listening to your podcast, but I'm like I'm not watching this right now. I cannot. <laughs> Yeah, it might be the one we'd sacrifice if we had to, which we're not going to. This this might be the first time in several years I'm going to make Catherine watch a whole season of Arrow. <laughs> she oh, no. normally taps out halfway through, like, no, you can just carry on. <laughs> well, props to her. Yeah, it's me being mean, I think, more than anything. Yeah, well. um, but yes, his his identity is very much about being being Mr. Incredible. And then he gets absolutely depressed and miserable when he can't do that. And you see how he, when he gets to do the whole moonlighting thing, he becomes happy and he becomes a playful husband and and they have lots of fun indoor time when the kids are off at school and so on. (laughs) 
Like the the film, a little yeah. heavy handed, but it's very clear. Like, okay, when he gets to be the person he identifies as, he is very very happy, and that's that's a good message. Right. Just it comes with a lot of secrets. Yeah, and I think I put a note in the doc that said Bob should have known better. With and that was specifically you know with like all the secrets, mm. and you know you you get to do someone hands him an opportunity to be that person that he most identifies with. So he takes it and ignores the fact that he's, you know, lying to his wife for however many months, because it's like choosing, choosing to have that identity over the identity of the husband who's taking care of his family. I mean, while at the same time saying, yes, I'm making all this money. So I'm quote unquote, taking care of the family. But he's, you know, not taking care of his relationship with his mm. wife. You know, that's you know, there's a negative, you know, to the point where she thinks that maybe he's having an extramarital affair. The things that you sacrifice or choose to sacrifice to have the identity of Mister Incredible again. Yeah, and she's she's not suspicious about it, so they're not making it the the, the tropey suspicious wife her indoors. Right, right. The, the the very small moment of where she realizes he's never really hoovered his den. So she then goes in and she's hoovering and it's clearly sucking up all this stuff, which is just a, a great little moment. But that then leads her to be like, oh, why is his suit damaged? And I think at some point she then finds the hair shortly after that. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah. they take you along those yeah. steps of where she's getting to that point. But they are, they work very hard to make sure you know it is a misunderstanding. Right, which I really appreciate. Because not not just because it's a kids movie, but you know, I'm so over false conflict. Yes. yes. <laughs> Ugh. Like even like in you know movies and shows that I like, and I'm like, oh, like I will audibly sigh, and you know, I'm just like, oh no, just freaking talk to, to each this? other. <laughs> I don't want to do this. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right, well, are we ready to talk about our favorite bits? Because we're kind of moving into gushing about how well the writing is. I, I think so. <laughs> Mandy, do you have any favorites? I think I have more favorites than both of y'all combined. <laughs> Which is weird <laughs> since I didn't come out and say, oh my God, I love this movie. <laughs> but I was going back through my notes and I was just like, oh yeah, that's so good. Oh yeah, that's so good. Y'all, Edna is the best character I've ever seen in a movie ever. <laughs> yes. Um. And I knew, Rachel, you knew I was watching this movie because as soon as she came on and she started her no capes tirade, I, I posted the gif on Twitter. And, yeah. and you immediately <laughs> responded to it. Yes. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, like you said, we don't have as many because that is like the Edna and the no capes is my personal biggest favorite moment of the movie. And um, like I mentioned, it's kind of you know a family favorite. And my mom, actually, like, she will occasionally pop off with, you know, no capes. Like, we'll be having a conversation. And she'll just say that. And it just, it makes me, it's funny because it's a good part of the movie. And it's hilarious because my mom is not, she is not that movie quoting person. Okay. Like, she, she's, like, when we were kids and we'd watch movies with our dad, mom would sometimes come in, like, halfway through and be like, you know, sewing, knitting, something, you know, in and out, keeping busy. Um, it's very rare for her, especially when I was younger. 
uh, to sit down and watch a whole movie all the way through. So if she, so if, if we make a, you know, a reference or a movie reference, most of the time she's like, she doesn't know what that is. You know, she doesn't get it. That's just not the way that she engages mm, yeah. with film. So when she does, it's just like, it's, it's a big deal. <laughs> and actually a few years ago, she had a rather milestone birthday and I found a shirt. I think it was uh, a ripped apparel or T Fury, one of those T-shirt of the day mm-hmm. mashup shirts. And it was Edna, and it said, "Not all heroes wear capes." <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! That's and we good. got it for her for her birthday, and she like, like she lit up. She just loved it. Like I buy those you know shirts from those sites for my brothers and my dad a lot for Christmas and birthdays. Mm-hmm. But you know, I found one that my mom would get and she liked and she just she loved it and she's you know like i said it's just a big deal so that's another reason though the edna no capes like has an extra it's an extra big deal to me i think but it it is just it's a classic line it's just so she she kind of reminded me of um the the frau from the austin power movies do you guys okay. know who I'm yeah. talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, just the yeah. way she was throwing her head yeah. back and and shouting and like similar accents. And I actually I looked it up to see if they were the same person. And then I was like, oh, that's a dude. Yeah, that's a dude. <laughs> yeah, that's Brad Bird. That is Brad Bird. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she also reminds me, and it's probably more uh, like a phys- physical than at the way that she acts of Hetty on um, NCIS Los Angeles. Oh, I haven't seen that. Well, she's a she's a diminutive older woman with like the same hair okay. okay and she's and she's always i think she's and she has glasses and she's always like popping up like people will be talking and then they're like oh my god she's behind me like she just like creeps around all the time it's, oh yeah i know who you're talking about i just looked her up and yeah, i don't recognize like, the character but i recognize the actress yeah henrietta mm. lang lange yes that's yeah i guess that's yeah. Hedy. Yeah. played by linda hunt mm-hmm. um Yes. That's her. Yes. She looks like Linda. Yes, absolutely. Um, Side note, unrelated to the podcast, um, Rachel, I am wearing my Bored Meow t-shirt today. Just so you know. (laughs) That makes me so happy. (laughs) Okay. Sorry, Matthew. Continue. Um, I love, for Edna, I love her moment of um, reminding Elastigirl who she is and she should go and fight for Bob and show him what he's missing out on. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. ag- again, it's this thing of identity. She's forgotten what being Elastigirl is because she has now just, uh, just completely become Helen Parr. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when she goes and becomes Elastigirl again, she is like so in charge of the plane and the children and taking charge and coming up with strategies and ideas and telling people to stop panicking. She finds herself again. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, just the visual of Edna with it's just like I rolled up you know paper yeah. and she's standing on the table and she's like beating her with it yeah sort of tapping her like a naughty just, dog <laughs> yeah she's like no remember who you are she's like you know flailing around and yeah the whole i mean that whole edna and all the things that she does just is perfect yeah yeah and it's just i i really like how how subtle they showed the relationship that they have because clearly Edna is very close to this family because it's been 15 years since she's made suits for them, but she knows all of the children, all of the children's abilities. She's clearly been a part of their family. And I think that's mm. fantastic. Yeah, there's there's one line just 
as Helen goes off and she says, and call me when you get back, darling. I love our catch-ups. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So moving on from the, the Edna love, which we could probably go on and on and on about. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I really liked Violet and Dash. Um, you know, Violet being afraid, I guess, and, and not being able to use her power. But as soon as she needed it to save her brother, like that force field was there. And then Dash and Violet work together with her force field, and they're basically running through the forest surrounded by this force field ball and watching them together <laughs> yeah. when you know they hate each other, but they love each other. It was yeah, just fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. And then Dash's laugh when he figured out he could run on water was one of the most adorable things I have ever heard. Yeah. And it just I- made me laugh. I always like to think that's a callback to Bob's laugh when he hurts his back fighting the robot the first time. Mm-hmm. And the robot ends up like stretching him and pulling him and fixes his back because Bob has a similar laugh where he's like, oh my God, I've got my power. I can now beat you. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I thought um, Dash using Dash using his power, which, you know, including the running on the water, I think were some of the more what I would call classic... At like comic booky moments, mm-hmm. you know, like the laughing. He's like, "Ha ha!" <laughs> just, <laughs> I mean, that's so Timmy. Like, that's like comic book, you know. Aha! And um, yeah, yeah, the running on water and the force field, and I think especially like you, know, like you were saying, you know, they hate each other but they love each other, which is your classic siblings. But then them being able to use their powers. And specifically, you know, towards a common goal, I think, you know, is a good connection for them, which is, Mm. again, kind of a a sibling thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, because there's, you know, people saying like, oh, well, siblings are, you know, that's your sibling. So you have to, you know, you have to get along with them. You have to love them. And I'm like, well, that's not enough. I mean, even in a regular sibling relationship, Mm. just because they're my sibling. I mean, if they're totally, you know, terrible person doesn't mean I have to like them. But I think a lot of, you know, quote unquote, normal sibling relationships often, you know, if you have a sibling that you're particularly close to, it's because of there is something else that you connect with. You know, maybe you both like the same books or the same television show or just, you know, a common interest aside from you're my sibling and I have to live with you. And I felt like they already had their powers, obviously, but they weren't supposed to be using them. So that wasn't a point of connection in their relationship until, you know, this situation where they're, you know, they had to work together and they were both kind of exploring what their abilities were and then using them together. Right. Which I think, you know, strengthened their their sibling relationship. Yeah, it's really clever because the powers are so disparate, but they find a way to to link them together somehow. And to make them useful to yeah. each other, but you wouldn't say, "Oh, this girl who can disappear and make fields, uh, make force fields, and this this guy who can run really fast." There, there doesn't seem to be a link there. It's, it's a good bit of work to to get to that point. The mm-hmm. hamster ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, my last one mm-hmm. is a very very close second as far as favorite scene from the movie. I mean, because Edna was was really up there, but uh, Frozone looking for his super suit that his wife had hidden was (laughs) incredible. You know, he's saying stuff like, 
Um, you tell me where my suit is, woman. We're talking about the greater good. And she says, greater good? I am your wife. I'm the greatest good you're ever going to get. And I was <laughs> cracking up. It was amazing. Like, I immediately went and looked for it on YouTube and watched it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the things that makes that scene so great is you never see her. Yeah. You only hear her from the other room. Mm. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, he's got this, you know, there's this big glass window he sees you know, destructive robot go walking past and he's like, Oh my gosh, it's my turn. I get to, I get to do the thing. I get to save the world. <laughs> but he doesn't have a super suit. <laughs> but his, his super suit, you know, and he's like, where is my super suit? <laughs> Why do you want to know? <laughs> if they made a Frozone film, would you want to see her or keep her off screen for the whole thing? I would like to not see her for like the first like half hour. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I would want to see her, but I think they they can keep yeah. this going for a little while before mm-hmm. you get to the point of okay, now they're just hiding the woman and and she needs to be yeah. a bigger part. Um, okay. I think they would need to show her, but I think it would. I think they could, you know, kind of keep her off yeah. screen for a while until she just nice. shows up. And what about you, Rachel? Have did you have any that we didn't talk about? I know I stole Edna from you. <laughs> Yeah, no, don't don't feel bad. I'm I am delighted <laughs> that you're so excited about Edna. I think some people are like, oh yeah, that's you know she's cute, she's funny. And I'm like, no, no, she's fantastic. <laughs> this is like the best. It's just the whole thing. No, you know Edna's fantastic. Um, I, well, one and this is maybe just like a personal thing. Um, Wallace Shawn as the voice of Bob's boss. Like I forget that he you know does that bit, and then every time I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, it's Wallace Shawn. And it's just like a funny little moment. Yeah. To me. Every time he was on screen, I was like, I recognize that voice. Who is that? I recognize that voice. And then finally I got, I like, I kept pausing. Cause you know, when you watch through Amazon, if you pause it, the yeah. actors who are on screen will show up, but I kept doing it in mm-hmm. all of the wrong places. And it would only show me Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter. And so finally yeah. I hit it on one point and it was Wallace Shawn. And I was like, inconceivable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. it's like that's, that's perfect cause, yeah because yeah because i grew up i grew up watching princess bride that's you know and mm. he's been in lots of other things and i've seen him in many other things but that's always the first thing i think of when if i'm like oh this sounds familiar the guy you know looks familiar i mean if you see him i'm like obviously but he's on a bit of voice work so i'll sometimes hear his voice and you'll go oh wait a second and then i'm like oh it's that guy yeah <laughs> inconceivable guy <laughs> we're um we're we're re-watching deep space nine for before the star trek convention later in the year and, and we just watched the one with him as the leader of the ferengi and it, it is oh, basically yes. the same thing that he's doing but it, it works wallace Shawn <laughs> carve yourself a ferengi? niche in this world oh my gosh i need yes. to find this i need to watch this <laughs> it's good yeah it's yeah because i remember watching that episode and going wait a second it's that guy. <laughs> and I had to convince my dad because I think I was watching it. I'm like, it's that guy. It's the Princess Bride guy. And he's like, no. I'm like, that's the little, the short, you know, because I couldn't think of his name. It's that short guy. You know, the inconceivable guy. And he's like, I don't think so. And I was like, you are so <laughs> And he was wrong. Yeah. he's And yeah, as well as Sean is just, he's like one of the classic, hey, it's that guy. <laughs> and anytime he like pops up, I just get you know, delighted. I think that and then um, the end, the very end when um, Jack-Jack manifests his powers mm-hmm. is just one of my favorite moments. 
Yeah, I there's a hint that he is a, a late bloomer compared to the other two. The fact that she's so convinced he's normal. It, it mm-hmm. sort of implies Dash was already like crawling really quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They didn't name him Dash because he was like running in the womb or something, did they? Surely not. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, Dash was short for something. Probably not. Dashel, I think. Yeah. I actually used his whole name at some point. Maybe I'm just making that I th- up. I think Dashel might be right, but yeah. Dash, yeah, Dashel. Um, Mm-hmm. But it's it's kind of a double double meaning. But yeah, and Jack Jack goes through not necessarily traditional superhero powers, but but bringing in things from other other franchises. The sort of hint of a Hellboy or oh, what's his name, Johnny Storm from the Fantastic Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And um, and then he turns like solid. Mm. Is that like now? Is that a I wasn't sure if that was a silver surfer thing or um, colossal. I, I th- colossal yeah, colossus. colossus. I think most likely. Yeah, because he gets heavy. See, and I was so thinking I Nate of. from Legends. Yeah, but I don't. Oh yeah, him too. Yeah. We don't think of Nate from Legends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's terrible, yeah, terrible in the Nate. Times that I've seen Aww. this movie, have I thought of Nate? I, well, and also because I think he gets when he turns metal, he gets really heavy. Right. Mm. Does Nate get really heavy? I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. But yeah, I, I just think of, um, yeah, Colossus. Yeah. X-Men. So Mar- all Marvel properties? No. Uh, yeah, he's Whatever. in the X-Men, I think. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he was in uh, Deadpool. Oh, mm. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, that last one, I guess Hellboy would be the closest. And sometimes I'm like, I'm like what is that supposed to be? I'm like, well, it's not really supposed to necessarily be anything mm. specific it definitely surprised I, me though because it's so very different than any of the other superhero powers that we saw yeah yeah i mean it's mul- multiples i guess because violet i guess has two we should get the invisibility and the force fields yes yeah. which i think Jack is Jack. exactly the power set of sue storm again it's, it's yeah, so it like is. the fantastic Four. it is like exactly the same <laughs> thing <laughs> Well, even that um, the scene when um, Helen is like all stretched out, you know, and opening different doors. Mm. I mean, I feel like there's a scene like that in 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 the Fantastic Four with Reed, but I've only seen that movie like one. Oh, time. maybe. Yeah, it's been a long time, I, and it will continue I've, to be a long time. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, mm-mm. I've I read the oh what's it. Uh, 1742 is that what that series is oh the the historical one yeah Mm. the historical one but that's the only that's the only my only comic book experience with okay the fantastic four so maybe it's a combination of those but Mm. i felt like there was something similar actually reading the comic book with reed like it's creepy the art of Mr. Fantastic mm-hmm. is creepy. It's weird. I'm, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange power and, and probably fairly difficult to draw well. Yeah. I, I know certainly in the DC ones when they have um, Mr. Plastic, yeah. I think maybe, and yeah. Elongated Man. Yeah, yeah it just they man. end up dominating the page because you just yeah, draw them to whatever. It's, it, at least when you do that with Green Lantern, it's kind of an interesting color and look, but... I remember one that came that had like Plastic Man on the front cover and it was just his face stretched for the entire cover. And it's a bit grotesque. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, because on, I mean, in this movie, 
when you see Helen, like that doesn't bother me. It doesn't like, it's not upsetting to me in the way that seeing it in the comic book. Is. Mm. I'm sorry, but boat mom was creepy AF. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. That was, it was awkward. It, that was awkward. <laughs> but... I love it with a face at the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <It's so> good. <laughs> yeah. That is weird. That was weird. I, I quite like the, the bit where she has the, the look in the mirror and the sort of sigh over aging. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I feel like if this was live action or, or even not a children's film, they'd do a joke of her like tightening up her butt or something. But they don't. They just let it be. It's just, yeah, right. she's a woman who's gotten a bit right. older. Still yeah. 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 All right, Matthew, what else did you like about this movie? I, I do like, continue on from that, how the, the heroes and the villains are not necessarily complete rip-offs of what we've seen elsewhere. We have a few that you can draw some parallels to, but the names and some of the uh, stuff we see from them are just completely, we're going to make something up. And I, I think that's one of the things that lends to making it feel like Watchmen, because the characters in Watchmen are generally very, very different from normal superheroes. Uh, and I'm thinking yeah. particularly Bon Voyage, because he's just ridiculous. He's ridiculous in a kind of Silver Age Batman sort of way. Just someone came up with a pun yeah, and then yeah. worked backwards from there. <laughs> but I, I love his in, in his, when he first comes on screen and he sees Mr. Incredible, but because he's French, Monsieur Incroyable. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they never break it, as silly as it is. They never stop him being French or acting in, in you know, the way that he is supposed to as that villain. Yeah. Great. Right. Yeah. And I think I think the voice actor was is French, but I could be wrong. Oh really? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I just I just love that they clearly had a session of coming up with new villains and new superheroes to put on. Um and and when she's doing that Kate bit and you see all these different people with names. I think some of them they probably had to rename. Maybe they found out like, oh no, there is someone called that. Um, Quite possibly. Yeah. But it's great. But and we've not really mentioned Syndrome, uh, the main villain, buddy. <laughs> I think he's wonderful. I, I think he's one of the best villains in a superhero film. I've been talking again on Across the Arrowverse how I'm enjoying the current season of Flash because they're going after the Flash through human means. They're not trying to run as fast as him or trying to hit him really hard or something. They're taking him down in a very uh, almost mundane way. And, and it's not, that's not what they do here, but Syndrome isn't trying to hit him, hit Mr. Incredible really hard. He's thinking it through. Okay, so I'm going to need to stop him. So what do I need to do? What do I need to design? How do I take him out? How can I then get myself to a place where I could then be considered a superhero? Uh, yeah. And sort of using human means to, to ape being a uh, a superhero. And I, I really like that, that it's not just about, oh, and he also got powers and he's evil. You can understand his motivation. You can understand his background and, w- and what he's doing it for. Yeah, I think he's a really good twist on the classic, you know, something that Mr. Incredible did X number of years ago negatively affected this character. Mm. Whereas, you know, when I say classic, it's usually like, you know, something happened and my parents died or something happened to me that gave me powers as a direct result of something that you did and you weren't aware of it, but I decided it was your fault. So I've been harboring, you know, anger for 15 years. Mm. Whereas in this case, you know, you did a thing to me that negatively affected me emotionally that then motivated me 
you know, you said, no, you can't be part of my crew, basically. Mm. And I didn't like it, so I decided that I was going to use my powers for evil. And unlike any good villain, he doesn't see himself as evil. Right. I mean, right. he clearly knows he's, you know, on a, a, a not the good bit of the moral curve, but he can see his end goal and he's just working towards it through whatever means. He's not saying, mm-hmm. uh, he's not a classic bomb villain, like saying, and now I'm going to kill people because that's what we do. <laughs> right. And when he even, you know, he says, you know, I've I've used my, basically used my brain mm. to make weapons and things that I've sold to whoever because, you know, because I am the bad guy, I, you know, do not have a moral compass. You know, put that out there. Yeah. But, but all very, you know, okay, makes sense. And I, I particularly love how bad he is when he tries to be a hero. When he goes in to take out the robot <laughs> and he's, you know, he's taken out really quickly because he doesn't think through his plan. Like yeah. like any villain, he doesn't you know understand what he's created, what he has wrought. But just his bit of the the line of someone needs to teach this robot some manners. What what is that line? <laughs> what does that even mean? It's a robot. Surely there's some sort of good robot pun or something in there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I I just always see it as just like an example of like he has no idea what he's doing. Mm. It's one of those. Sure, I can be a superhero. I've read a comic book. Yeah. I watched a superhero movie, except it's not as easy as he assumes that it is. Mm. You know, how hard can it be? That's how I always read that line. You know, like. So, yes, I, I, I love Syndrome very much. He, he is one of the things that brings me to this film. And that's me. So, before we wrap up, is there anything else we need to discuss about The Incredibles? I have a question. And maybe I just missed it. But did they explain where Helen got the plane from she called in a favor yeah you missed it okay okay (laughs) that's fair enough it's entirely possible i missed it but i was just like all of a sudden she's on a plane why is she on a plane where did she get a plane (laughs) okay now when she's packing um you know when she's packing the suit and she's like pulling that bag out and she's talking to violet you know make sure you guys do your homework and you keep an eye on the kids whatever um, and then she makes two phone calls, I think. She calls somebody about, I don't know, and then somebody else. But she says, I need a, I need a jet or something. Okay. And then it shows, there, there's a, like a photograph on the dresser of her and some guy in a aviator getup. Wow, I missed a lot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, it's there. She's like, yeah, because the kids are running in and out. And there's other stuff going on. Yeah. She does. Okay. Yeah, she says, I need a plane. The, so the character she calls Snug, I think his name is. That they had a whole thing that he was actually going to be co-piloting the plane with her, and so he was going to be blown up when she runs back and saves the kids, and that's why. Oh my gosh. Well, that's why when it hits in the 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 ocean, she gives it this long lingering look because she knows that her friend is going down with the plane, but there's nothing she can do at that point. Mm. But that was one of the few things that Brad Bird said. Yeah, okay, that's that's one character too many. That's one we can take out because yeah, it is also. Even darker than than the darkness of the film. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I remember thinking when uh, Syndrome was started shooting at Mister Incredible, um, and they were those rubber ball things instead of mm-hmm. bullets. I was like, "Wow, okay, this is super less dark than I thought it was going to be." And then they covered him and basically kind of suffocated him a little bit. And I was like, <laughs> "Nope, it's still dark." <laughs> but that's exactly uh, like the thing. He's a good villain because he's gone. What do I need to be able to take out? 
you know, potentially Mr. Incredible, the best, you know, top hero potentially, but any hero, right. those would work. Auto-targeting, expandable, heavy, sticky balls. Yeah, that, yeah, that'll do it each time. Yeah. My other thing to discuss would be if, you know, we have any thoughts or hopes for the sequel that's coming out later this year. Anything you'd like to see? I, I was hoping it would be like another 15 years later. And it would it would see the evolution of the family growing up and doing something. Yeah. I, from what I've understood in, in researching this and seeing comments about Incredibles 2, I think it's going to follow on directly. So we'll see. I'd love to see more about Mirage because I really liked her. I, I think there's an interesting yeah. thing there of whether she has powers, whether she's just a kind of Oracle computer person, something like that. Um, but the actress who played her died, so I don't know if they're going to recast it or do something with that. Hmm. I, I didn't realize that you, you, you mentioned earlier Rachel about um, there's a different motivation for syndrome in this and I hope they don't go into the usual superhero syndrome of parents have died and now people are sad and, and angry <laughs> oh yeah because the film utterly avoids it and it, it's better for doing that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you have any any hopes for the sequel well I, I have seen well, I think one trailer and I same um had hoped that it would be further forward but at least at least from the trailer looks like it takes up immediately after unless they do some kind of prologue immediately after and then Mm. jump forward yeah i would like to see yeah because i would like to see them a little forward with how the kids have adapted Mm. like you know what the situation is um, with superheroes and how the the kids have adapted you know to living with both, I guess, you know, how they're doing with their powers or maybe even something more focused on the kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be excellent. Mandy, anything you would want more of in a sequel? I kind of really want the sequel to be the movie that I thought The Incredibles was, which is a superhero superhero family doing superhero things together. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really simple, but that's kind of what I want to see. I want to see how they interact with each other and how they learn to work with their powers together and... I think that'd be really cool. Okay. Basically, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but as the Incredibles. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little bit. (laughs) And not in space. (laughs) I would also like to see Edna in sequence. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes, I am down with that. Sequence for Edna. Rachel, do you have any recommendations for Mandy's list? Well, I have a few, and of course, I'm not sure. Perhaps Mandy has seen some of these. So I ha- um, I came prepared. If you've seen all of these, I will be super excited and very happy for you. I've not seen all of them. Um, okay, good. <laughs> good for me. Because I always like wreck my brain. Like sometimes when I'm listening you know, to an episode and you say, do you have recommendations? And I think, oh, man, you know, what would I recommend? You know, I can never think of anything. This is your chance. Uh, Go. <laughs> yeah, that's my chance. Uh, so Fargo the movie. I have not seen that. Put that on the list. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Uh, the Fifth Element. I have seen that more than once, in fact. Okay, good. I figured you probably had, because I, I looked on the list and I thought, if it's not on the list, I'm sure that she's seen mm. it. And this seems like something that you would have seen Yeah. by now. The, I think it's, is it 2012 Cabin in the Woods? Uh, you're talking about the Joss Whedon one, right? Yeah, the oh, Joss yeah. Whedon I've one. I've seen it a couple times. You have? Okay. And then Young Frankenstein. Yeah, no, I have not seen that one. Because that one stars the... Does that one star the guy from Willy Wonka? Billy Wilder, yes. Yes. Mm. Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder, not Billy That's Wilder. That's his name. Yeah. Wilder, okay, yeah. Billy, yeah. yeah. Who's Billy Wilder? A 
person you just made up in your head? An Austrian-American uh, filmmaker, as it turns out. Of course, my friend Bill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fargo and Young Frankenstein. And I think we're actually going to do... We're going to do an episode on Young Frankenstein on Wonking Out. We had talked about doing it last year, and that didn't quite work out. So Okay. Probably around Halloween, I think we're going to do. Excellent. But it's a, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's a good one. It's one that I really enjoy. They, they've just opened it as a stage production in London. Oh. Yeah. How long is it going to be playing? Oh, it will probably go and go. It's It's got some proper celebrity backing, so. Um, I'm hoping to make it over sometime. Mm-hmm. Probably more next year than okay. this year, but. Put that on my the, there are, Yeah, there are always good shows on, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at eloquentgushing, or you can email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun having you here. Um, where can people find you? You can find my personal Twitter is Gypsy Book Nerd. My podcasts are also on Twitter at DDWCast for The Detective, The Doctor, and The Woman and at Wonking Out for Wonking Out. And thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Terrific. Pop Culture Deprived is 100% funded by listeners like you through our Patreon page. Any amount you can give, even $1 a month, gives access to exclusive content whilst also helping to support the network and our other shows. To find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And if you want to keep up to date with the latest news and announcements, don't forget to subscribe to the weekly newsletter on eloquentgushing.com. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we'll talk about the Thomas Crown Affair with our friend Laura stewart Barry. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And I moved the quote I was going to use. Oh, I stole that one in the middle of the show. You I'm did, sorry. And I'm I looked sorry. Up. That was the tab I was trying to find, and now I've scrolled down on the tab, and I can't find it. And I'm going to keep waffling. I'm not editing this out, just so you know. This is staying in. Uh, we haven't had very many outtakes lately because we've just been yeah. so awesome talking to each other. <laughs> well, this is a good one. And when everyone's super, no one will be. There you go. <laughs> Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.